Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 41 of the Unified Rules of Podcast. And this week, this one's a big one. We got fight week going on. We got Saturday, November 12th, UFC 281. So your hosts are here, Eric Hamidi, Edmund Kwan, to get you ready and set for the fight. Yeah, man. This is a this is a good card. Uh the the main event card, like. Yeah, you're talking about the main card that's going to air on pay-per-view. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We we got some big fights on this card, really. I mean... Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I don't know. that All I keep seeing on social media or all I keep seeing around the MMA community is just them talking about how big UFC 281 is. And rightfully so, it is. Because there are two title fights on there. There's a marquee matchup in the lightweight division that people have been really wanting to see. And there, I don't know, it's just there's so much excitement around it. And there's a lot of buzz. Even a week before, there's so much buzz around it. Like, I'm already seeing preview videos or prediction videos or analysis videos breaking down, like, the main event and such. I think I saw some videos all the way back from August breaking down some of the main event fights for this card like yeah that's that's crazy that that's how big this card is Is you said august yeah august okay i wonder if that was when the main event was first announced i don't know i think so because you know as you'll see later on listeners uh (laughs) we got adesanya versus alex Pereira. yep coming up for the main event so that's middleweight title fight i mean that you know, it's interesting because as we're talking about it, I can kind of feel the excitement in me about that fight. Just there is a lot of buzz about this one. And, you know, even as I say that to you, I can see a little smile coming across your face just because, I don't know, this is like the perfect matchup from a promoter standpoint and from a fan standpoint because it's got storyline and it's got very high level guys and it's for the middleweight title yeah it's like (laughs) the perfect storm especially i i feel like it's rare to find like a big fight like that with two guys with such with like with history too you know like adesanya and uh alex yeah alex Pereira have fought before yep they fought (laughs) twice in kickboxing yeah and then now we're in this new game of MMA and it's going to be interesting just to see how like all that transfers over, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say kind of getting into it, talking about how the fight may play out. I mean, there is a lot of talk of the fact that Alex beat Israel twice before in kickboxing and but one thing that we do have to keep in mind is that this is a different sport and i feel like we say it on this podcast a lot edmund that striking in boxing or kickboxing and then striking in mixed martial arts are two totally different things and my point for saying this is that okay alex may have beaten izzy twice in kickboxing but that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna win this mma bout yeah i i totally agree and and i guess another reason why i'm saying that is because i don't know if maybe necessarily i don't know if this is 
the consensus, but maybe there's a little bit of a storyline or some fans have it in their mind that, oh, because Alex beat Izzy twice, for sure he's going to do it this upcoming bout. But there are some reasons why I think that won't exactly, or that could, that may not exactly be the case and why it doesn't guarantee anything. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's can, so funny? I'm just like, should we start talking about that fight now or should we do what we you know, it's interesting from the bottom up? You know? I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting that you ask that question because for me, I was sort of thinking that I feel as though we have a lot of things to say about this main event and this might be the one that we spend the most amount of time talking about so maybe we should start with that so then we don't rush anything or we're not rushed with anything and just we can kind of get to all the points about this because as you can imagine this is probably i mean i don't know i'm not going to speak for you so i'll ask you the question edmund do you have is izzy versus alex the fight that you have the most to say about it i think so because this is probably this is probably like Adesanya's biggest challenge in the middleweight division. Yeah. Since God knows how long, you know? Well, like, maybe Robert Whitaker, like that's be and the reason why I say Robert Whitaker is because he's not only is he very skilled, but he's in that situation like a Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, where if one guy wasn't the champion, he would for sure be the champion. So maybe Whitaker. And when did they fight? Like before the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, well, they fought They fought twice. They fought in October of 2019. That was their first fight. Izzy won that one. And yes, that was before the pandemic. And then they rematched earlier this February. And Izzy won that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Because I mean, I mean, I guess when we think about it, like let's look at Israel's title fights or his fights in as... Like, since that Robert Whitaker fight, he fought Yoel Romero in an instant classic. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Then he fought Paulo Costa, which he made that look like easy work. Then he fought Jan Blachowicz, which was a light heavyweight bout, and that proved to have some challenges in and of itself. Then he fought Marvin Vittori, which, I mean, that was pretty much all... From what I remember, there was no real danger in that fight for him and then yeah the robert whitaker fight again which once again props to whitaker he's very good he's very skilled and then there was the cannoneer fight back in july which i mean yeah yeah i mean i, I mean izzy was a heavy favorite for a good reason and right. by the time that fight was done it's like yeah he's gonna win this one for sure so you may be right there that and i'm even just looking at the fights he had before the title fight I mean, yeah, this Alex one, aside from Whitaker, is the toughest one for him. Yeah, I mean, here's the other thing, though. Alex Pereira has been, like, fast-tracked into MMA. I think we talked about it on our 276 podcast where he fought Sean Strickland, right? Yep. Yeah. And this will be Alex Pereira's fourth fight? What in the UFC? Yeah, in in the UFC. Uh, let me see. He's just just for reference. He's six and one in mixed martial arts. Yeah, this is his fourth okay. fight. Fourth UFC fight. So I mean, already he's 
he's fighting for a title after you know what this kind of reminds me of you know brock lesnar yes ah, i knew it's it the same, i knew it's it brock lesnar as all the naysayers on brock lesnar <laughs> it's the same it's the same like arguments made against alex right now like yeah He's but I mean, like, but here's the he thing. Proven himself, yeah. But like, the reason why Alex has been fast tracked is because there's the storyline there of okay, he fought our current middleweight champion twice and he beat him, and it kind of goes back to UFC 276 when he was matched up against Sean Strickland. Either way, I felt like no matter who won that bout, the UFC had a marketable matchup. Like they couldn't lose. Like as long as Israel won his fight. Whether it was Sean or Alex that won, it didn't matter because those were both going to be marketable. And like, basically, this is the reason why Alex is being fast tracked because of their history. Yeah. And I mean, back in the day with Brock Lesnar, I mean, I'm not sure if we talked about this in the Brock Lesnar episode, but I mean, a reason that he was fast tracked to the title was because of his, obviously, his marketability. Although, to be fair, and somewhat in his defense i would say that he also got the title fight because there weren't really a whole lot of heavyweights that were available at that time to face randy couture yeah that was a that was like a time of transition for mma back then which i'm kind of curious let's let's take a look at the ufc i want to look at the middleweight rankings for the ufc i just kind of want to see what like if it's kind of the similar situation as far as if there are any other would there even be any other contenders available? So we had Whitaker who had his chance back in February. We had Jared Cannonier who had his chance back in July. We have, and this is in order going from one to 10. Uh, Marvin Vittori, he had his chance in June of last year. Alex is number four. Derek Brunson, he's coming off a loss. And plus he and Izzy fought a few years ago, which Izzy won. Paulo Costa already fought him two years ago. Number seven, Sean Strickland coming off a loss. Jack Hermanson, Darren Till, and Andre Muniz at number 10. So it's kind of the same situation. There aren't yeah. really a whole lot of... Like, Alex is the highest ranked person available that he hasn't already fought. <laughs> what? What's the, what, what are you laughing about now? I mean, it just... the The parallels, you know, between... Adesanya and Anderson Silva and yep. you know it was the same situation back then where he cleaned out the division there was no one really left to fight so moving up in weight class all the other stuff I'm just wondering if we're gonna have a I don't I don't think it's gonna happen but I don't think Adesanya is gonna get cocky let his guard drop down low and then have have that opening for a KO from Alex Pereira. I, I just don't see that happening. But again, that's what happened in their last kickboxing fight. So I guess okay. anything is possible, but you know. Okay. So, so when you're talking, so I guess this kind of is a good transition into talking about their kickboxing fights. Cause you've seen them, right? Yeah. I, I watched the most recent, you know what? It, they're, they were both really close fights. I was watching the second one. Yeah. And Man, I had Adesanya winning until that KO. Right, because because Izzy was having some success, wasn't he? He was having some success in yeah. that second fight before the knockout. Which 
I think came from it was what a three round bout, so it was the last round. Yeah, and then that knockout came out from the last round. So so you can't coast. You can't just take it easy on Alex Pereira. Like he's dangerous all the way until the end. I think that's what it shows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Definitely. Which I, is I like, think, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think Adesanya just has to. He probably has a game plan in place and he just has to stick with it. And I think he will just judging on how he lost, you know, that last time. Yeah. I, I think he's learned from that and he will just this time, no games, stick to his game plan and just try to outpoint, outstrike Alex Pereira. Now, I guess that leads into a question that I have where based on what you saw, what do you think led to is he losing? Is it just one of those things where, hey, sometimes you get caught, or do you feel like there were any flaws that Izzy did? I think he got comfortable and then just let his guard down mm -hmm. for that split second, and then you boom, mean the like, one that that knocked him out? Yes, but the one that knocked him out. Now I may be misremembering, but it's not like he totally dropped his hand; like he still had it no. up a little bit. Yeah, but you could tell it, it was like. He was kind of, I wouldn't say coasting, but, you know, it was like the last round of the fight. I think he knew he was winning, so he just decided to, you know, ease up a little bit. Yeah, and okay. Someone like Alex Pereira, like, I was looking at some of his tapes, and the guy is, like, a pressure fighter, you know? Which, like, which... Really quick, I, are you know what? No, 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 I don't want to be an asshole and interrupt. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, 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 it's fine, man. No, no, no. continue your <laughs> thought. Continue your thought. He's he is he'll just apply pressure, 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 which I think that's why he won that first fight against Adesanya. You know, like yeah, in boxing, there's like the rock paper scissors of styles. You know, like the yep, I remember that. Beat, yeah, the pressure fighter will beat the boxer. And the boxer will beat like the brawler and the brawler will beat the pressure fighter. Well, you know, with just how long Adesanya is, he is that outside point scoring boxer fighter. You know, he's long, yeah. he'll use his reach, he'll stay on the outside. But it's if you keep pressuring him, you're going to get in, you're going to break up his rhythm. You're going to get in there, work his body. You're going to stop him from using his reach against you. Now, would it be fair to say that, I guess, from my research of their styles, this is what I've kind of gathered, and if I'm totally off, correct me. Adesanya is kind of more of a, I guess, a volume puncher in the sense that he'll throw a lot of strikes, where in Alex's, in the, in the case of Alex, he's more of a one-punch knockout sort of person. Uh... I don't think so. I think they're both volume pressure or I, I think they're both like volume strikers. Yeah. I think the difference is Alex has a lot more power. Not to say Adesanya can't knock you out. Yeah, he definitely can and will. I just yeah. think in terms of style, like Adesanya will, he'll mix it up. There'll be a lot more light punches and strikes mixed in with some medium to heavy shots yeah like there's a lot of variety but i feel like someone like alex Pereira, he's just 
not like one note, but when he's hitting you, he is hitting you hard every time. Yeah. Not to say he can't put together combinations. He's not like a one punch knockout artist. Like, uh, yeah, I, I like here's the thing I'm not saying that Alex can't throw combinations. It's just, I guess, for me, what kind of stands out if you look at finishing sequence, Alex, it, with Alex, sometimes it takes like a few while, while with with Izzy it might be a situation of death by a thousand blows sort of thing. Yeah, but you you got to got realized. I I feel like Adesanya usually is he's like the quote unquote more intelligent fighter. He's mm -hmm. gonna do what he needs to win be it through points or whatever. So yeah, you could say death by a thousand blows, but I mean it, it's like he'll outpoint you before he'll try to knock you out, I feel like, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, he's not- I don't not... feel like Adesanya will look for the knockout until he smells blood. Yeah. Whereas I feel like someone like Alex Pera is like, he, his goal in terms of his combinations is to look for that knockout punch. Does that make yeah. sense? You know? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying as far as the- I guess Izzy relies a little bit more on fighting intellectually, where in the case of Alex, not to say that he fights recklessly or he's not intelligent when he fights, but he's got a lot more. And I think I may have even heard Joe Rogan say this on commentary when he fought Sean Strickland. He's very selective with his shots and he'll wait for the right moment and then strike. Right. And then a lot of times, like for instance, in the Strickland fight that ended, shortly after he did that i don't i don't know if it was joe rogan or one of the other commentators but i did hear that somewhere yeah i i would agree with that because he's the kind of guy who would every combination he throws at you is trying to set you up for a knockout be it his left hook or his kick to your head like which is which is which is interesting because one of the things I picked up in my research about this is the fact that yeah, Alex's left hook is very deadly and he's actually finished a lot of fights that way. Yes. Yes. Like it's it's scary and uh, the left hook in boxing, MMA, kickboxing is is the hardest punch you'll ever have to learn how to throw but it's also going to be the most deadly punch you're you're ever going to throw just because it's quick, it hits hard, and everybody's liver is exposed to the left hook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, there's just so many good targets if you're fighting another human being that is like that yeah. the left hook can hit. So it is one of the most deadliest punches ever. And... To have someone who's just have like a record of knocking people out with a left hook is is a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I mean, because if you look at Alex's record, it'll say, okay, he's won this fight by KO or TKO, and then in parentheses, you'll say you'll you'll see left hook, left hook, and I was like, God damn, I mean, I I just so that I understand this a little bit better, why is it that the left hook is so hard to perfect? I guess for lack of a better term. Well, because most most people are right-handed, and if you're right-handed in your fighting stance, you're gonna stand with your left hand in front, right? Okay. Yeah. So if your left hand is in front, a it's your weaker hand, and b 
since it's in front, you don't have as much space or time to really wind up and like rotate and get off a good solid swing with your left hook, right? Yeah. So that's why it's it's always one of like the harder punches to kind of learn. I mean, I coach boxing. I teach I teach normal people how to box. <laughs> and like one of the most frustrating things for me is really teaching people how to throw a proper left hook. And it takes time. It takes time. You got to practice it. You got to drill it. There's a lot of little biomechanical things you have to keep in mind of, like rotating your hips, your torso, your shoulders. You got to coordinate it all together. You got to have like solid shoulders and you got to like position it properly. But, you know, once you get it down, you can shoot it out fast because it's in front of you. And, you know, with your body rotation, it's going to land hard. So. Okay. 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 All right. That makes sense. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they're both very skilled in their own ways. And I don't know. One of the things I also kind of picked up in my research for this fight is the fact that even though they are different in some ways, they're actually very similar in a lot of ways too. Because, I mean, let me, let me share with you some of the stats that I found that are pretty similar with them. Obviously, they both have a lot of kickboxing experience. I think their KO percentage is pretty equal because Alex, he has 21 victories in kickboxing by knockout, which that's about 63%, something like that. And then Israel is a little harder to confirm. I think I saw somewhere it said 48. And if that's the case, that means that he'll have a 64% knockout rate in kickboxing, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Six, yeah. It's pretty equal. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's more. There's more things they're similar in. They're both six four. They both have a reach. Well, some sites say that Alex has an arm reach of seventy nine inches, and some say eighty inches. Whatever. I mean, well, not whatever, but either one of those. So his reach is either seventy nine inches or eighty inches. Izzy is eighty inches. So. They're either the same or practically the same. And then as far as leg reach goes, Izzy's is 44 and a half inches. Alex, 44 inches. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so weird because... Which may be another reason. It, it just, I mean, I know Alex is a big guy, but he just doesn't seem as long, you know? Mm, okay i kind of i, 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 th like, I think i kind of understand what you're saying like he's six four but there's like longer looking six people who are yeah, six four like adesanya you could tell he is like one long and lanky person you know like yeah maybe maybe because like alex just he has a little bit more bulk to him or at least it looks like it you know yeah I know. yeah i that's, i mean i mean like, so weird you know to me like hearing those numbers like of course, it makes sense in my head, but like, it kind of sounds weird, you know? Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see that. I, I mean, I, I kind of understand. Like, what do you think is the weirdest thing about it? That they're practically the same size. I mean, yeah, it, it makes like looking Which at that on fight. Yes, it makes sense, but it's still weird, you know? Which honestly might play a factor into why this may be Izzy's toughest challenge is because. He's literally facing off with somebody who's the same size as him or has the same kind of measurements as him. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying but, to think who's like the biggest middleweight right now besides him. I mean, I remember back in the day, Kendall Grove was 6'6", but he's not in the UFC anymore. Yeah, there's there's very few. Like being six four while everyone's like six foot around six foot or under is that's a huge advantage in terms of Yeah. Age. No, yeah. I mean like yeah, that's definitely gonna, you know, that's definitely gonna present some challenges. I think honestly, I I don't know how many times Israel Adesanya has faced people who were the same size as him. I mean, I don't think it's happened too many times in his career. And while they do have similarities in that, there are also a lot of key differences that I found in this fight that may kind of play a role in my final prediction for this fight. So we, I mentioned it earlier. Alex Pajera, he has, he has a 6-1 record in MMA. Arasanya, he's 23 and 1 in MMA. So I think we can, I mean, I, I, there's not really much argument. He has more MMA experience than Alex, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing that, but so yeah, there's that. And then when we look at their kickboxing record, Izzy is either 75 and 5 or he's 75 wins, four losses in kickboxing. While Alex is 33 and 7 in kickboxing. And as far as boxing goes, their professional boxing record, Adesanya is 5 and 1. Alex is 1 and 0. Adesanya is age 33. Alex is age 35. So those are some of the key differences right there. And I'm kind of curious if there's any kind of reaction that you have to those stats that I shared with you. No, I mean, they're both very accomplished fighters. I mean, yeah, I, I guess, if anything, I, I think, did Alex Pereira, like, finish every MMA fight he's won? Let me take a look at that. Hang on one second. Let's see. Because they've all ended in a KO or a TKO, right? Or uh, no, the, the he's he out of all his wins... He finished all of them except Bruno Silva. That went to a decision. Hmm. That's still scary. Now, okay, this might be a little bit of a weird thing to say, but based on those kinds of numbers that I shared with you, I kind of feel like Adesanya has more combat sports experience than Alex. And it's not just based on their professional records that I'm saying this, but it's also researching when they started training in kickboxing or their respective martial arts. To the best of my ability and to the best of my knowledge, it seems as though Israel Adesanya started when he was 18, 19, something like that, because it talks about how he had his first fight when he in 2008 which I don't know if that was an official one or if that's just an undocumented fight or what have you. And then to the best of my knowledge, Alex started training when he was 21 or 22. So that's kind of playing a little bit of a factor into all the things I'm considering for this fight. I don't, I feel like 
I mean, of course, that I mean, doesn't. They, they kind of started around the same time. Then at that point, you know. Well, but I mean, I it, it, say... it seems like he started a few years sooner than Alex. Maybe like a year. If he started, if Adesanya started when he was eighteen and he was like two or three years younger than Alex than Alex Pereira, yeah. And our Alex Pereira started when he was twenty-one. They essentially started around the same time, right? I mean, I suppose. I mean, it's pretty close. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just kind of the way that we view things, where I'm viewing the slight difference in it, but you you feel like that's I, not really much or that's not that's, really a difference. I don't think it's that that stands out. It, the fact that Adesanya has almost doubled the amount of kickboxing fights, and I mean, how long has he been doing MMA compared to... Alex Pereira, you know, that's I mean, he's his at. I mean, Alex, uh, Alex's first professional MMA bout was in 2015. Now, on the flip side, when we look at Izzy, his first professional fight was in 2012. And then we also got to look at how long has Adesanya been dominating the UFC compared to Alex Pereira, who's just coming in. You know these past couple of years like well i mean with the exception of that jan blahovich fight it's been three years exactly so i i think that's really where like i'm looking at in terms of the differences like adesanya definitely has way more mma experience yeah there's no about question about it an mma fight right now you know like yes the kickboxing does play a factor here in terms of the records but i don't think it's in adesanya's best interest to make this a pure kickboxing fight you know what i mean yes he's gonna probably primarily do a lot of kickboxing but i feel like i feel like he's gonna mix it up on alex per like he's gonna work him in the clinch against the cage work him there you know take him into unfamiliar territory just to really solidify that win you know yeah now, or I, he might sorry. even take him down you know he might even take him down just for the hell of it and then get back up take it back to standing again you know like yeah i feel like i feel like it's in adesanya's best interest to just make this an mma fight you know yeah which take alex Pera out of his element because sure i'm sure he has i'm sure alex Pera has decent takedown defense he has an okay ground game you know like he'll he'll know he'll he'll know he'll have to do something on the ground you know i'm sure yeah. he's training for that but he does not have the same amount of experience that adesanya has in that mma realm you know yeah. so you know which I'm I'm happy and excited that you said that because that's another thing like that just reminded me something that I wanted to point out about this fight is the fact that yes Adesanya has more MMA experience than Alex he's been he's been I guess exposed to that multifaceted game a lot longer than Alex and he's kind of been exposed to the multitude of weapons way more than Alex has and even though it's been rare, we have seen Izzy have to use his ground game in fights. We've seen him be on the ground a little bit. As of December of 2020, he got his purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
which is like, it seems like he knows more what to do in that sort of environment than Alex would at this time. Yeah, definitely. Now I'm not saying he should like turn it into a grappling match, but I think he has the ability just to throw Alex for a loop, you know, and just get, keep him guessing on what's coming up next. Yeah, exactly. And I guess if it, there is that instance where it does go to the ground or there has to be some type of groundwork in this fight, Izzy can use that stuff. He can, he, we, I, I guess basically what I'm getting at is that I guess for me, I'm sort of viewing it as like, he's not going to be like a turtle on his back if he gets taken to the ground. He'll, he'll be able to do something. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess here's another question that I had about this fight. Did you see Alex's fight against Sean Strickland again? Because there was like a moment and like the finishing sequence of that fight. I guess here's one of the things that I kind of noticed about that fight is just the stance that Sean chose to have. I mean, once again, I've said this before on other episodes. I'm not an expert when it comes to striking, but it's just the way his stance was was very straight upright his arms were pretty close to the chest like i'm kind of creating a a uh and then like a triangle shape up to where my chest is and it's like the finishing sequence there was a moment where sean's hand went down and then that's when the left hook landed on uh sean and that's how the fight finished and i was just kind of curious as far as why that hand went down one of the reasons why I got so excited is because you mentioned how Alex is a pressure fighter and he likes to move forward. And earlier in the recording, I was really excited about that because that's something that I noticed about. That's something that I noticed about Alex is that at least in kickboxing, it seemed like he was the kind of guy to pressure and move forward a lot. And is that an accurate, that's an accurate thing to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. So, and, and here's the reason why I'm bringing this up. The, here's the reason why I'm asking this question is because when I was doing research for our last episode on Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, the thing that I saw in Luke Thomas's analysis video was that the way that Jake Paul knocked out Tyron Woodley is that he was able to throw a shot that looked like a body shot. And because of that, Tyron Woodley, he was reacting and brought his hand down to try to deflect the body punch. But at, at at whatever moment, you know, he switched it up, going from looking like it's a body shot to actually going for a head shot. And because Tyron thought it was a body shot, his arm went down, so his head was wide open. And that's how it landed. So I guess I was wondering in this fight, something that I was very curious about, because I don't agree with how Sean approached the fight. And it's like... Was he thinking that maybe was it was this like another situation where like maybe he was trying to deflect Alex's arm, but he missed it, and that's why Sean's head was exposed for that knockout? No, from my analysis, yeah, Alex set him, he set Sean up perfectly for a left hook. If you watch that fight, he he literally did nothing. But jab, jab, maybe throwing some leg kicks there. But Alex basically did nothing but throw in 
throw jabs at Sean Strickland for like the entire fight until he threw a left hook all of a sudden. So he basically set Strickland up to always anticipate a jab. Like he'll jab, 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 throw another right, jab, 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 throw a leg kick, jab, 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 jab. And then the other thing I noticed, Alex kept moving back in this fight. So he kept baiting Strickland to come in, to come in, to come in, you know? Which time he come in, he'd throw a jab. Sorry, I just had a quick question. Was is that because he's not the kind of guy to pressure forward or move forward in MMA, or was that just part of the strategy in this particular case fighting Strickland? I think in this case it was that was a strategy. I'm guessing Strickland was probably a little apprehensive and fully engaging Alex Pereira in like a fighting, uh, like a full fisticuffs, kickboxing, fighting brawl, you know? Yeah. So it's like if someone's not willing to engage, I do this all the time when I'm sparring some of my clients, you know, like I don't hit them hard, but it's like of if course. they're not engaging, I give them I give them an inch. It's like, come on, come in, come in, you know, come in, come in, come in. It's like kind of like leading into a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like, get in here, get it. It's like we want some action happening, right? Yeah. I feel like in this one, if it would have been a lot more work for Alex Pereira to try to just pressure on and smash the crap out of Sean Strickland. I mean, he probably could have done it because he's probably way more technically skilled than Strickland in terms of just pure kickboxing. But it, it, it's almost like, you know, that's what Strickland's expecting, you know? So he wasn't going to play that game. He's going to bait him in lull him in and then bam because if you look at that left hook he swung so wide like yeah if if he didn't set him up to anticipate jabs that left hook would not have landed because that came like a mile away but strickland thought it was a jab so he didn't even see it coming you know what i mean yeah yeah totally so he totally set Strickland up for that left hook knockout because you could see the way Strickland moved forward. He was expecting every time I move forward, he's just to throw a jab. So I'm going to have my hand ready to block a jab. Little did he know this time he stepped forward, that left hook came, whacked him on the side of the head and he was out. Mm -hmm. And would you say that the what what was with like the the positioning of Strickland's arms in that fight? Because you know you saw that fight, and I was like, like I said, like I said, he was anticipating a jab. Alex Pereira was like punching weird angles too. He wasn't. He like threw a couple at his face, but he was like hitting at his chest, you know, at his body. Those are like really weird places to get hit. And but here's the other thing too. He was hitting. Strickland with his jab with enough force to make Strickland to actually worry about deflecting it or blocking it. So, I mean, Alex Perez got some power, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like an annoying little jab. It was like a stiff jab where Strickland was like, okay, I need to take care of this jab so I can actually get in here and do some work on the guy, you know? Okay. So, so like with those unusual jabs is that why strickland tried to deflect it the way he did like for instance that knockout yeah. shot i okay. mean those jabs were definitely probably hard 
and they were coming in at weird angles. So he was probably holding his hand a little lower. Mix that in with, you know, Alex Pereira set Strickland up to always anticipate a jab. And then you throw a left hook when someone's thinking you're going to throw a jab, that left hook's going to land. And he's got so much power behind that left hook that he was out. Yeah. You know, it's it's conversations like this that one of the selling points I have for this podcast is the fact that you can really learn a lot. And this is one of those instances, this is one of those episodes that I'm going to re-watch or re-listen to just so that I can really learn the intricacies of striking right here. Because I really learn a lot of things when you kind of... I, I really learn a lot when you break things down like this. And it makes me want to re-listen just so that, okay, I can hear it again and really absorb or just ingrain it in my mind. I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it too. That's why, that's why I nerd out over people punching each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's some there's some technique and some science to all this. It's like, it's a violent crowd. I heard this one time and it's a perfect description of MMA or just combat sports in general. It's a violent craft, but the way that it's executed there's beauty and precision in that. Yeah. It's yeah. it's definitely much harder than what people think it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Once yeah. just sorry. Having trained people at a gym, like just training normal people at a gym, or even like some former athletes of another sport. It's like when they try to do boxing or kickboxing people don't realize how difficult you know the sport is and that's only when you're hitting a bag and pads you know <laughs> yeah add in trying to hit another human being who's trying to you know knock you out yeah it's... like inflict damage because when you look at right. it in a fight it's a little it's different from other sports where not only are you tired but you're also hurt right right and yeah like yeah, I, 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 yeah, people are always like shocked at how, how difficult it is, how, you know, oh, I actually feel it in my legs when I'm boxing too, not just the arms and the shoulders. Like, yeah, I mean, well, when you're standing on your toes, those calf muscles. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, people, it's, this is an extremely like difficult sport or activity. And, just yeah I, I don't know adding in like the high level of technique some of these guys do it's just crazy you know like and that's something that you learn to appreciate when you become a longtime fan and you become more knowledgeable about the sport definitely, definitely. so so all this talk like we've been doing a good a pretty good breakdown of all this but we can't just break down the fights or analyze it we gotta put i mean there's the expression pen to paper, but we're not writing anything. So I guess it's like, okay, we got to have a pick on the record. We got to see how it turns out. So I'm kind of curious. Do you have a prediction? Do you have a final pick for this fight, Edmund? And I kind of feel I like, I, I just really quick, I feel like it can go either way. I feel like you could say either guy, but I, I just, I can't wait to hear it and let's find out. I'm picking Adesanya to win just because okay. Okay. we're playing the MMA game here. 
Like, yep. I'm not going to count Alex out. I will not count him out. Like, if Adesanya gives Alex Pereira, like, an inch, he will take it, and he will use that inch to, like, knock him out, as we've seen before, you know? Yeah. So you cannot count him out. Like, if Alex Pereira pulls off a round five knockout on the last minute of this fight, like... Not surprising? Yeah. It will be surprising, but I will not like I will not be like that was a lucky punch or that came out of nowhere. You or know? it's like or it's like you'll be shocked in the sense that it's like that last minute right, knockout, right. but it's like but not surprising would, yeah. in the sense that like, oh, it's unthinkable. Like there's no right. way this could happen. Like exactly. Like, I don't know. It, like it would not be impossible. It, it's not even improbable, you know. It it ha- still has a very high chance of happening until that fight is over you know like i feel like adesanya will always be in danger of being knocked out in this fight and it is up to him to keep doing the work to make sure he wins by decision you know okay do you think it's gonna go to a decision i think it will yeah i i don't i don't i i think alex has a pretty good chin I think Adesanya wouldn't want to risk going into an all-out brawl with him to try to knock him out. Yeah, he's going to have to outmaneuver him, outstrike him. He'll work him against the fence. He'll work him in the clinch. He'll throw him on the ground, maybe. Work him on the ground a little bit. Take it back to standing. I think that's Adesanya's game plan. It's just to keep just to keep him guessing, you know? It's yeah. like... He's going to take him through a crash course of MMA, basically, of like, hey, Alex Perro, this is what we called ground and pound. This is what we call work in the cage. This is what we call take, you know, like, yeah, that's what Adesanya is going to do. And that's what he has to keep doing for the full five rounds. Yeah. Or else he's in danger of being knocked out. That's that's how I see it. Okay, okay. So my pick is the same. I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking Israel Adesanya to win this fight. Some of the reasons are the same that you said in the sense that this is an MMA fight. Israel has been in the MMA game for longer, and I feel as though if he needs to use other things besides striking, he's more adept at it than Alex is, just because we haven't really seen Alex do a whole lot of that. And... I guess here's another consideration I'm having. It seems like, and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, that maybe this is what people are thinking or what fans at large are thinking, is that there seems to be some negativity and backlash over Adesanya, over his performances, and people may be seeing that, hey, Alex has all these knockouts and we really want Alex to win or just what I said earlier, he's won two times in kickboxing against him, so they think, oh yeah, Alex is going to get it, but it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too, I guess, connected to that notion because I, I, it just, this is not a kickboxing bout. Yeah. And I don't know people like, it seems like there may be some people who really want Adesanya to lose, but because of the skill level here involved, in mixed martial arts that may not actually happen i mean as i say like he's got a 
Alex Pereira's got a puncher's chance of winning, you know, like he's got to knock him out. That's, that's gotta be his game plan. Cause I don't, I do not see him outscoring Adesanya just cause, you know, with the stylistically, if it was a kickboxing match, maybe, and that's how he won their first fight. Yeah. But, you know, in MMA, I, I just don't... Adesanya can just tie him up so easily, stop his pressure on the cage, and just kind of grind it out and eke out, like, a win just through controlling him against the cage, you know? like Exactly. Yeah. It's a different game from kickboxing. Yeah, I guess, like, sort of bring up, like, those kind of factors into consideration because i don't know as an mma fan i've seen this many times before where there's backlash on a certain fighter and they really want to see him lose and i don't know maybe some of that is motivation because i would imagine izzy really wants to make a statement and it's just it might fuel like him wanting to perform well and kind of shut all the naysayers up and being able to make a statement of making this rebound after losing twice to him, that has got, or I would think that would motivate Izzy in training to want to perform exceptionally well. I think so. I definitely think so. I don't see him as someone who... I don't think he's going to take this fight lightly just due to the fact that he's lost him twice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, you know, I don't think we're going to see the same antics as... um. <laughs> bring a pizza to the weigh-ins or whatever but well I mean, no that's only if he's fighting at light heavyweight right that's why I'm he's sure, not cutting I'm weight sure he'll, he'll still troll and be like you know he'll still have his like outside the outside the ring and antics but yeah i i think come night of the fight when they're in the cage he's gonna be all business like yeah for someone like him he's trying to cement his legacy i don't think he's gonna even give it up to chance to like even lose this fight like could you imagine if he lost this fight like i, I would think be big Adesanya's career would be almost over you know i don't know even if, if i would say have... that come on i don't know man It'd like be over come on i i don't think well i don't know fine maybe over is a big word but i don't think it would be at the level, his name would not be at the level of like an Anderson Silva or something when everything is said and done of his career. Yeah, I can see that, but I feel like there's a real, I don't know, I almost feel like there's too much emphasis on Izzy to be the next Anderson Silva. Which... But I think that's on him, though. He wants to be that, you know? I mean, does he want that or is it the fans I that keep so. telling I him think... that? I don't know. I, I, I think from like the few clips of interviews I've seen from the past, like he wants to submit his legacy to be the next Anderson Silva. I mean, that's why like him fighting Anderson Silva was such a big deal to him. It was him fighting his idol basically, you know? Right. Right. The guy he tried to aspire to be. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is like a topic for, I don't know, maybe this is a topic for another episode talking about like, okay, the comparisons between him and Anderson Silva. 
because like i i don't know i'm kind of thinking that we spend a little bit of time just talking about the the two other the the co-main and then the dustin michael chandler fight but i don't know that's just kind of been my thing is that i don't know it seems like the larger scope of things is that people really want izzy to be anderson silva but he's not anderson silva and it's like i don't know there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations and that's why people get disappointed with adesanya a lot i don't know i don't who gets disappointed with them i mean a lot of people don't you remember with the cannoneer fight they they thought that he should have finished him or it wasn't that entertaining yeah but the the marvin vittori fight all that stuff i guess but then those people are also like come on man like not every fight is going to look like a kung fu movie you know right right i mean yeah i mean there's some criticism there and like i don't know i don't invest too much in it but i guess it's like like i said people's expectations because of the comparisons that's why it's led to that but then again mma fans are very hard to please i mean how many times do we see it somebody loses and then it's like this guy was overrated or this girl was overrated (laughs) yeah very true yeah and so i don't know i think i know we've been going a long time on this one but there was there was a there's i kind of want to spend a little bit of time on the other fights just because i am a little curious about those picks what you may have i don't know was there anything else that you wanted to say about adesanya and alex uh no okay okay so the co-main event is for the strawweight title carla esparza versus zhang Li. And I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know. I just can't help but think of her last fight against Rose Nama Yunus and just yeah, how I that mean. plays a big part in all of this. And I don't know. I don't think that fight was purely Carlos Sparza's fault. You know, right. Because... I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's her fault. I'm just saying that fight wasn't obviously that that's not winning fight of the year in 2022. Oh no, man! If they have like the Razzies for fights, that would that'd be up there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, this is a this is the weird. This is the weird like. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I love Zhang Weili. She is like probably one of my favorite like fighters in the UFC right now, just because. You know, she just kicks ass you know yep yep just looking at her fight with joanna just that that was like a brutal war like she can take punishment she can dish out punishment she is strong she's getting stronger she's getting better yeah she's like the classic sprawl and brawl striker in mma you know yeah like yeah, Which... and I don't, I don't, I don't think Carla Esparza has. She, there's no way she can outstrike her. I don't think she can even out wrestle Zhang Weili right now. That's just my opinion. What do I know, right? I mean, but... like when it comes to striking, I will agree with you that I would give the advantage to to Zhang Weili, but that the wrestling, it's hard for me to say. I mean. Mm. See, that's interesting because here's the here's wrestling can go it. either way. The wrestling can yes. go either way. Yes. And the fact that it can go either way is not saying 
Oh, not, I don't want to say it's not saying a lot for Carla Esparza. It's it's saying a lot more for Zhang Weili than it does for Carla Esparza. You know what I mean? The the fact that the wrestling is equal? Yes. Or that it could go either way? It and... could go either way because here, despite what like China likes to propagate, Zhang Weili has a Muay Thai background. It is not a Tai Chi or Kung Fu background. Mm. It is a Muay Thai kickboxing background and i she knows how to work a clinch you know which is interesting that you're saying that because i in my research for this fight i did read somewhere that that was one of the things that wiley has a background in is chinese forms of kickboxing and she started training for martial arts at a very young age around six or something like that yeah i mean uh, she probably went to like one of those kung fu schools you ever see those it's like that's where like all these little kids go to yeah and then they just teach you kung fu and stuff and here's another thing the chinese form of kickboxing sanda or sancho that is basically kickboxing with throws so be it like chinese sanda or chinese kickboxing or muay thai like she knows how to work a clinch and carlos sparza is gonna have to get into a clinch before she can take shang Li down and if she's in a clinch with Zhang Wei, she she will eat a lot of knees, a lot of punches, and maybe even get taken down herself in the middle of eating those punches and knees. You know, it, it's yeah, it's it's just weird to me how it's almost equal, and we're talking about you know a wrestler versus a striker here. You know, I. See, but the thing is, is that Zhang Guili, she has a lot more components to her and she's a little more well-rounded than just being a striker Definitely. that I just don't, I just kind of don't see it that way. I mean, I kind of see it in the way that kind of what I was saying earlier that, that Zhang has the sort of striking pedigree or she has a higher striking pedigree than Carla and Carla might have a little more wrestling experience than her, but I don't know. I see it as more of a complete fight or at the very least i see zhang having a more complete game than carla esparza definitely more complete game but i i think she's still more striking dominant you know yeah i think she'd rather go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you than to even like try to tie you up then take it to the ground yeah to, to kind of like that's like a last resort for her. Just to provide a little bit of context, I pulled up uh, her, I pulled up Zhang's typology profile and I'm scrolling down to like the bio to, I'm scrolling down to the bio section. And on here it says, she started training martial arts at a young age, beginning with Shaolin Kung Fu being inspired by Kung Fu films. Then would later start training in Sanda. Is that, is that how you pronounce Sanda? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she then would later start training in Sanda when she was twelve, and Chinese wrestling called. Um, I'm not. I'm not Shui sure. Shoi Zhao. Yes. Yes. Shoi Zhao. Later in her career, she would also pick up Brazilian jiu-jitsu after watching others grappling in the gym, where she would work as a fitness instructor. Okay, so yeah, she's got a pretty well-rounded game right there. Yeah. Now. I mean yeah <laughs> no no sorry wait were you gonna say something i feel like i keep interrupting no, i mean i don't know it's that plus like her fitness level is 
pretty up there. Not to say like, you know, Carlos Sparza is out of shape or anything, but like, dude, she is strong. You know, Zhang Weili is strong and she's only getting stronger, you know? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah don't know. I mean, like like I said, there was that video I sent you where she actually picked up Francis Ngannou. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of things that's working in Wiley's favor. One of the things that I'm kind of considering and we're kind of touching on it is the fact that it seems like Zhang Wiley started martial arts training earlier than Carla Esparza because I found out or I saw that Carla didn't really start wrestling until she was in high school and i mentioned that wiley she was a young child when she started so yeah but also i'm just like but i've done kung fu i've done sanda not to say it's bullshit you know but you don't see you don't see a lot of wing chun guys in mma you don't see a lot of Shaolin kung fu monks in mma right I mean, that's for a good reason. I, you know, it's like just because someone starts a martial arts as a kid, I don't think it like plays that much into a factor, especially if it's like a tradition, a quote unquote traditional martial art like that. Yeah. Because it's not as competitive, A, and B, they focus a lot more on like forms, which don't really have a lot of practical application in terms of MMA. You know? Yeah, which so, I like this because you're presenting a different perspective here I hadn't considered before. I'm just like, I've done it, you know? Yeah, no. Kung and... Fu. I started Kung Fu when I was like 15, you know? Like, put me up against like an MMA fighter who's gone pro, but he only started when he was like 21. I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked, you know, not to say like, I, I wouldn't try to put up a good fight. I mean, I've done boxing, I've done kickboxing, I've done Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, but my 15 plus years of martial arts experience doesn't really matter that much in the cage when I've only had like, gosh, I've never even fought amateurly as in MMA. So it's like, when I've had like zero days of competitive mma experience you know what i mean like yeah it, it, it's kind of like apples to oranges i feel like when you're comparing like martial arts styles that aren't as competitive in terms of like aggressive hard striking or competition or wrestling competitions like that you know yeah it's just totally different. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I mean, when I bring up like their martial arts background, that's not to say that that's like, that's not to say that I'm thinking, oh, just because they've been training longer, that means they're going to win. I guess, I don't know, for me personally, it plays a little bit of a factor, but obviously it's not the defining factor. And if one thing you need to learn about MMA, there are no guarantees in this sport at all. And to prove my point or to cement my point even further, last fight Carla had, I thought Rose was going to win it. I picked Rose oh, to yeah. win, and I okay. could have never anticipated that the fight was going to play out the way that it did. But 
strange things happen in this sport. The the absolute weirdest thing, the weirdest things could happen, and it happened in that fight. So I don't know. I may pick Zhang to win this fight, which I am, but I may just end up being completely wrong because the weirdest thing happened or just the biggest anom anomaly happened. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I'd be... I would straight up be shocked. Like, I would... Like, if, if Carla Esparza somehow pulls off an upset knockout like Rose Navayumis did on... Like, oh my god. See, but, like, here's... When a that thing. happened, holy crap, I was, like... My my world was destroyed. When me. you mean the first time Zhang and yeah, Rose the fought? First time Zhang Wei Li fought Rose, I was like, "What the hell, man? Like how how did she get knocked out after surviving like a straight up war with Joanna Young Jacek? You know, and ugh. you know, it's interesting. I, it's I it's, know. it's interesting you're bringing that up because here's another thing why I'm saying that Zhang is going to win this fight or why I think she'll win this fight is because that first fight she had with Rose, she wasn't exactly in the right headspace because the crowd was very much against her. And I guess that that shook her up somehow. And then when they had the rematch last year, it was a very closely contested bout. And it's like, for the most part, Zhang has done really well. She's looked very formidable and she's shown that more often than not, she's successful or performs very well. So in this type of situation, given the fact that she's also a little bit younger and she's taller than Carla, that's why I favor Zhang. And, but I don't know, even coming up with a prediction for this fight, I was going back and forth because I was thinking, well, it was a little hard for me to pick this one because I was sort of thinking, well, what if Carla does win or maybe she can or maybe she has the the kryptonite against Zhang Wiley and it just it made me go back and forth I don't know like because of I the guess, wrestling the wrestling too like that was the thing that I saw possible but I I just I don't know I you I, don't see it I I don't see it like I I could see her camp and her game plan being formulated to be like that just you know lay and pray just take her down smother her stay on top keep control and just grind it out to like probably a very controversial like split decision win yeah i could see that as her game plan but i i just don't see that happening in reality because you're, you're trying to you're trying to like hold a woman who can pick up Francis and Gandhi like it didn't even look hard you know like I know right? she had to get set up she had to get in position for like a fireman's carry but <laughs> she just stood up with Francis and Ganu on her back like no problem Man, and and on on a quick side note i just want to say something based on his based on francis and ganu's twitter post man he's such a nice guy he was like saying how he was trying to tell uh zhang wiley to not do it because he was worried that he that she would hurt her back and then that would cause a problem like having to pull out of the fight or being injured and she couldn't fight and all that stuff but then before he knew it he was up and it was like well i guess i guess it was no problem yeah i <laughs> and, Dude, Francis is a cool see... guy. Yeah. And and so so like the other thing that I've also been considering is the fact that 
when Rose and Carla fought back in May, she really didn't do a whole lot. I'm talking about Rose. She didn't really do a whole lot. And we know Zhang is going to bring it to her, or it's very likely that she's going to bring the fight to Carla. So if that's the case, how is that going to inhibit Carla Esparza? Because of what type of a force Zhang is. I mean, you, she's going to be playing defense, and if you're playing defense the whole time, you're playing catch-up. And if you're trying to catch up, you know, you're going to get desperate, and you're going to leave yourself open, you know? Um, yeah. I do see Zhang Weili knocking her out. Okay, um, all right. I don't want to call a knockout. I just feel... Maybe, maybe I will. I, I think she will finish her. Probably around the third round. Okay. Yeah, let's, okay. Let's call that my prediction, man. I don't know if I can th see. That's the interesting thing. There are very rare occasions where I could actually call what type of finish will happen in a fight. For instance, when Dominic Cruz is fighting, when he was in title fights, it was like, okay, I know this is gonna probably be some type of decision, and or or the Anthony Johnson Glover to Sheriffy, which we don't have time to get into that story, but that was another instance where I knew exactly how it was gonna end. But a lot of times, I just say who's gonna win because I don't know. It's right. it, I guess it, if I was betting on it, like how am I supposed to know like how it will end or when or what have you? I've seen some weird ass finishes in my day. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm calling this because I think didn't didn't Carla Esparza get finished by like you mean strikes by Joanna Young Jacek? Yes. Didn't yeah, she get finished she did. by her? Yeah. Just based on that, I'm just like you're you're going up against a bigger and stronger and faster monster of a striker than that, you know. And I know that fight was like forever ago, so yeah she's probably she's definitely gotten better than that by now but still it, it's like yeah I, I i'm just going for that and why not why not i i, I think zhang Li is on like a comeback from losing twice to rose yep and what she just made uh she her last win. her last uh fight was a win over joanna she knocked her out and did she make her retire or something yeah Joanna retired after that like boom like you you just got are they calling like, that a KO? She, she's on a comeback streak that's all i'm saying and i think it would be great for her to like just look for the finish to add more to her reputation or her resume you know yeah I and mean, you know we're bringing we're talking a lot about Joanna, and i don't know i didn't think i was going to bring up this point but i guess it might be good to bring to bring it up just because we're talking about it so much zhang's last fight is against Joanna. she did knock her out with a spinning back fist so i don't want to say that that win doesn't mean anything but i guess the way i would kind of propose this question is that her beating Joanna back in June, does that say a lot about where Zhang is? Like, where she's at, given that, you know, when they fought the first time, it was an all-out war, and it's probably safe to say that both of those fighters didn't come out the same going into it. So it's like, did that win say a lot about Wiley? given that Joanna, maybe when the rematch happened, she was just 
a little war torn. And I just say that based on like, look at what she look at Joanna after that first fight, that big hematoma on her head. So it's like, I don't know. I hate to say this. I don't want to be disrespectful, but was like Joanna damaged goods by the time the rematch happened. Maybe. But even even if you are damn like the fact that her style is so technical, you know, and like for lack of a better word, like safe, I guess. I mean to really like knock out someone that's like a point fighter like that is is going back to Adesanya, you know, it's like when to be knocked out by like Alex Pereira in his kickboxing career like that, like I don't know. I don't think it, it's like a, a serious lapse in in judgment. No, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I, I don't think sure, maybe maybe Joanna was like a little damaged from that fight, or maybe she was a little scared coming up for the rematch after that that first fight but yeah like there's some validity no, like she's, maybe but also it's like i don't i don't think it would have like yes it may have played a part but i don't i don't think but it's it, not it it, i i think i think this is what you're trying to say is that it may have played a little bit of a role but it wasn't the the whole story or there is some validity in that victory right. that Zhang had over Joanna the second time. Yeah, and also to be like knocked out by the spinning back fist of all things, like you know. Yeah, that's not that's not easy to do. That's not a very common strike to be knocked out with, you know. So it's to be knocked out by like a spinning back fist you would have have to leave yourself open, which means you would have have to like try to have gone for something, you know, you're not yeah. sitting back playing like defense or covering up and then it slips through or something, you know, it's like, yeah, you have to be trying to go for something and someone counters you with a spinning back fist to be, it, it, like, Joanna was not playing defense. So, I mean, I don't think it played it may have played a factor but she was still trying to go for the win you know i wouldn't say she yeah. was like damaged goods yeah know? yeah i get that so we're both picking wiley for this fight oh yeah okay okay cool and then i guess like really quickly if you just want to do this is that there's you know the dustin poirier michael chandler fight which is right. i mean that that's this a very is... that's a very highly anticipated one and you know, I, I don't know. It's I feel a little weird because it's like that may be the one that we spend the shortest amount of time on. But, uh, well, you know, we, we have to we give know, it some light. I know. We know it's going to be fun. We know it's going to be great. But this fight is like a coin flip. You know what I mean? It could yeah. go either way. And I would not, like, be disappointed because we know it's going to be a great fight to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely going to be entertaining, and there's a reason why people are really looking forward to it. It's because it has excitement written all over it. I guess, like, for me going into this, like, I could see a way that Michael Chandler could win this bout, but ultimately for me, I'm picking Dustin Poirier just because... Me too. Okay, okay. So the reason my reasoning is because 
He's slightly taller and has a longer reach than Michael Chandler. Dustin Poirier is five foot nine with a 72 or 73 inch reach advantage. Michael Chandler is five foot eight, has 71 and a half inch reach. And I feel like the striking is going to make a difference because. Yeah, I, that's... I think Dustin's a better boxer or a yeah. better MMA boxer for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's going to make the biggest of difference here. Right, because like one of the things I've noted or that I've thought about is that one of the things that stands out about Dustin's game is his boxing or his striking. And when you look at Michael Chandler, he's had he's he's been knocked out or had TKO losses more often than Dustin Poirier. He's had four of them by TKO. Now, one of them was due to injury, so that's kind of like eh, but when you look at Dustin Poirier, he's only had one loss by KO and one loss by TKO. So I, I feel like the striking is going to make a huge difference and that Michael Chandler's, his defense is a little, it's a little lacking just because I saw that he has more absorbed strikes per minute and he has less striking defense than Dustin. Yeah, I mean, I, I could totally see that and without going into the stats, but yeah, I, I always see Dustin as, like, the cleaner striker, you know, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, seems like he has a little bit better technique. He's a little more slick. I feel like Chandler is more like a wrestler with really good striking, but he somehow wins with striking a lot. It, it's weird. Yeah, which is, which is the thing that he has an advantage in is the one thing that I'll give Michael Chandler an advantage in is in the wrestling. And I don't know how much that's going to play in this fight or if he's going to be able to implement it, but that's the one thing that I would give Michael Chandler the, the, the edge in. But I think it's just like also like with Dustin's experience, I feel like, and when I say experience, I mean his professional experience, who he's fought and all that stuff, that will help him out quite a lot in this fight. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see him as one of the best striker in his divisions. And I I think almost like these two guys are almost equal in like everything. And that little bit of an edge in that boxing department, I think is what's going to give Dustin the win, you know? Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. And just, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like going back to Michael Chandler's defense kind of being a little lacking. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he's taken a lot more punishment than Dustin had than Dustin has, or like taken all those had those kind of wars and everything like that. But at the same time, if Michael Chandler ended up winning, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised either. if It went the other way. Yeah. it. This fight is, I feel it's like for the fans, you know, we know oh, yeah, it's definitely. a slugfest. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I mean. I'm pumped for it. It's one of these like fun fights that people just want to see, you know, and yeah, it, it's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess like the other thing that I'll say really quickly is that I'm picking Chris Gutierrez to win his fight against Frankie Edgar. And then that's kind of where my prediction's at. I haven't been able to do any research on Dan Hooker versus Claudio Playas, so I'll just kind of leave it at that. All right. Okay. I will agree with you. Well, on Chris Gutierrez over Frankie? Chris Gutierrez over Frankie Ecker, and I'm also picking... 
Claudio over uh, Dan Hooker. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, and I'm... I'll just say just because they're like the young guns on the winning streak, I, I just see these as like, you know, they're like step up fights into transitioning into that next generation of big name fighters, you know? So, okay. Yeah. I just, okay. I'm betting on the young guns here. <laughs> okay. So you're picking Claudio then. Yeah, Claudio and Chris Gutierrez. Because okay, those first I, two fights are kind of similar in that regard. I'll pick I'll pick Chris Gutierrez and you know what? I'm just gonna go with Claudio. I'm gonna go with the safe bet here. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's the episode. Honestly, I've really enjoyed talking about this fight card. I'm really excited to see how these fights play out. Yeah, no, this is a fun I mean, big fights people people with big fan followings people i'm fans of like this is this is a fun episode yeah absolutely and can't wait for the fights to happen on saturday so we'll see how it plays out if you guys want to share your predictions with us you can do it on our instagram or twitter account on instagram we're at unified rules podcast on twitter we're at unified rules po1 or if you'd like to email this podcast, you can do so at unifiedrulespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the fights. Stay safe. Have a good day or evening.